no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will break down the Bears' week eight loss against the New Orleans Saints and much more. Hey, Doug, week eight didn't go the way we we planned and the way we discussed last episode, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, Press. How are you, man? Well, you know, I wish we had a, a win to talk about tonight, but, you know, such is life sometimes, man. I totally understand. Another one. Oh, you know what? Five and three. And I'll tell you one thing, man. Uh, I'm not really here for Matt Nagy and any of his, you know, platitudes about how the team is still five and three and and so forth. Man, this team, we are not heading in the right direction. And uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this episode, for our listeners, we want to kind of recap some of our keys that we had for this matchup uh, before we get into, you know, kind of the the main parts of the discussion. So, A-Dub. We had three main key points that we uh, we talked to our audience about last episode. The first thing we talked about was neutralizing Murray and Alvin Kamara. So coming into this game, the Saints were down three of their primary weapons. How do you think we did there as far as with uh, Kamara and and, um, and Murray in this game? I thought we did a good job on Murray, but I will say for Alvin Kamara, we didn't do a good job on him. Uh, we allowed him to get 12 carries for 67 yards on 5.6 average, and he had some nice uh, reception yards. Uh, nine receptions for 96 yards. Yeah, and one thing, too, with, with Kamara coming into this ball game, I mean, this guy, to me, arguably the best running back in the NFL, but he also was leading the NFL in scrimmage yards. So, I mean, with a guy like that, you're going to expect that he's going to probably get, you know, a couple of uh, chunk plays in there. So, but you're totally correct. I think in this ball game, uh, Murray, he didn't make anything happen at all for them today. But I would say in this matchup right here, as far as this uh, situation with our defense, I feel like it was kind of like 50-50 with, with, between those two guys. Yeah, I think so, too. I can agree with that. Uh, the second key point that we brought up was in, returns, in regards to the return game. So you and I both really hammered on Ted Ginn last week and just his inability, or I would just say just his – I don't think his – he just didn't want to, to field punts, right? So we were getting nothing in the punt return game. And so one of the keys for us is we got to get some positive yards. We got to get positive field position and we need to get something going in a kick return game. How do you think we did there? I thought we'd done fairly well in that area. I thought that Hecker last week looked like an MVP candidate based upon the field positioning and the fact that Ted Jen didn't want to catch the ball. So this time frame, we had Harris to be able to catch the football. So at least put us in a good position to where we're not on a four, three, three or four yard line trying to get out of that spot. Yeah, I would just say this, man. I mean, Ginn was definitely uninterested, and I would just say it was awesome that he was inactive today. It's about time that Nagy starts to hold some of these guys accountable. 
Um, Harris, he had a few positive yards in there, but he filled with the punt. Um, Patterson, however, on the kick return game, I thought that, you know, we didn't really get much there. And with our offense, you know, which we're going to get into in this episode, not having, you know, much success with long fields, it's going to be very vital for this team going forward for us to get more help there in that return game to shorten the fields. Absolutely. We're going to need that because I think with this particular line we have, this offensive line, we can't sustain these long drives with this group because at some point, one of those big defensive guys is going to get in that backfield and um, give it to give uh, Foles a pretty big sack, you know? So they'd be very mindful of that. Yep. The last key is we said in order for the Bears to beat the Saints today, we needed to see improved play on that offensive line. Talk to him what you thought about the offensive line today, A-Dub. Well, it's a banged-up offensive line for sure, and I thought that we did the best we could with this unit. Um, we still gave up some sacks. I know that um, Hendricks got in one in there. We talked about him. Uh, we talked about uh, Cam Jordan. I think he got him a sack as well. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough night for our offensive line, uh, based on the fact that we're coming in today injured. injured. Well, I mean, we saw that Bobby Massey went down in that first uh, first uh, first quarter with the uh, with the knee injury. Jason Spriggs came in, and I'll just say this: a dub. Uh, he was serviceable, serviceable at best in that first half. In that second half, I mean, he showed us why uh, the Packers let him go. Because uh, Cam Jordan <laughs> and those guys, they were just having their way with him. Um, yes, they did. And, I mean, don't even get me started on Rashad Coward. I mean, dude, he's a fucking turnstile. Continues to be a turnstile. And he's also showing you why he's a converted defensive lineman that's trying to masquerade as a damn offensive lineman. Yeah, man, it looks pretty ugly for our line, for sure. Yeah, man. Well, you know what? Five and three. We're going to talk about the 26-23 uh, loss here against the Saints. But audience, we got a special guest on today's pod. We got our brother Duke Coughlin from the Bears on Tap that's pulling up with us today. Duke, talk to him. How's it going, ladies and gents? Um, I'm really glad to finally be joining this podcast. I've been following you boys for a while. Wish it was better circumstances. I wish we were chopping up a win. Instead, we're... Uh, talking about an OT loss to the Saints because apparently we uh, we cannot beat the Saints. You know, I guess that's just starting to become a trend. Yeah, because they came in here last year, Duke, and they beat our asses in, in Soldier Field with Terry Bridgewater and that, that damn game manager offense he did last year. I mean, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> they have our number for sure. Yeah, man, it, it, it's rough, dude. I, I saw a number uh, that we're actually 0-6 in our last six games against the Saints, going back to 2008. Uh, wow. And, and, and we're going to get into it, but today's game, fellas, was totally winnable. And we all three of us are probably going to go in pretty hard on probably what, why things went the way that they did. But I'm going to kick it over to uh, you, Duke, since you are the guest here. And, and I know you on your podcast today, you guys probably went into this kind of discussion as well. But what to you, Duke, was the key play that kind of led to our downfall today? I really feel like it has to be that. Uh, not even a play, man. It has to be that first drive coming out of the uh, out of the second half. Like it just, there was just nothing there. I we just wanted to continue trying to uh, beat into the ground that we were going to continue to throw the football even with a lead. Um, I feel like with what we were doing with David Montgomery almost all day, we should have uh, kind of came out of the gate in the second half and tried running the football and kind of demanding the line of scrimmage. Like I understand, obviously, offensive line has not been. Uh, a strong point, but we were getting a push up front when it came to running the football. And Absolutely. it just, it just kind of turned into the, 
Matt Nagy throwing the ball three downs and going off the field quickly. And then, you know, it just kind of all, uh, kind of all came together after that and turned into a really rough third quarter for us. I mean, to, to your point, I mean, the thing that I loved in that in that first half, or at least that first quarter, was the balance that we saw in offense. I mean, we saw that we were getting a little bit of push there in that run game, but we saw that Nagy wasn't getting away from running the football. And then, however, in that second half, I just don't know what the hell we saw. I don't know what that was. And uh, what was uh, kind of like a key play for you that you thought that led to our demise today? I think what I thought was a key play was um, that fight. <laughs> Uh, with Williams that that took off, um, that put us in a two and twenty spot position, and then we saw what an interception come right after that. So I thought those key plays right there was big for us. Um, it was going, it was, on, it was on its way to a disastrous third quarter, and that's always what I've been saying for the past few weeks is that we can't come out of halftime and muster up some points. It's going to be a long day for us, and that third quarter was atrocious. I would say this. I, I don't know if I would consider that a key play. What I would consider is that was the stupidest shit I've seen in a very long time. And this team is starting to really piss me off because we're seeing week after the week, very undisciplined play out there. We're seeing really bad penalties. Now I'm all for um, a teammate standing up for another teammate. Cause listen, man, we want your guys getting pumped, but the sucker punch bullshit, man, like there was no time for that. And like you said, you basically put your defense, your offense in a bad position because we lose 15 yards on the play. And to be honest with you, Javon Williams, believe it or not, is pretty vital in that, in that um, as far as a blocker in that wide receiver position. So we missed him out there because I like what he can do to kind of help in that run game, especially that's an area that we already struggle. Absolutely. And uh, not having him, I know some people may look and say, oh, we're, it was, we was on our way for disaster regardless. But the fact is, Penalties just going to hurt you, and and we don't have no room for error when it comes down to our offense. Yeah, I would say that the play that kind of led the demise for me, and uh, you boys probably remember this and definitely jump in on this one. But I thought Foles taking those uh, those multiple sacks in overtime. You know that they're you know <laughs> to give her the ball. I've talked on this podcast about the fact that hey, you know what. I don't think the either quarterback that we have on this team is a long-term solution here. Correct. However, I think that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback that best suits this offensive line that we have. Because what we saw in today's game was this was a winnable game. The defense basically kept us in this ball game. And if it weren't for the defense, this game would have probably been over and it would have never made it, went into overtime. But Mitch Trubisky can make plays with his leg. He can keep he can keep uh, plays uh, going. He he can make things happen in, uh, with the uh, with the ball. There was a play there in that in that game where Foles kind of moved around, and all I saw when I looked over there on that left side was nothing but green grass in front of him. But he's he's not the athlete, and he couldn't do anything except for just <laughs> take the sack. What would you right. guys think there? I thought the same thing. Um, that is not Foles' game. Running out, scrambling and trying to make something happen. That is so not his game. And we saw him expose it to us, really. When he came out there on that play, he decided that, you know what, I'm going to keep it and try to see if I can make a pass. But he realized he wasn't quick enough to get rid of the pass, so he took that sack. Uh, the thing that kind of gets me with that is, you know, like you said, Prez, that's definitely, something, that's definitely a play that Mitch can definitely go into, you know, and probably get the first down there. I think even Foles should just immediately jump to running into that. Because even if you get a fourth and four, even if you get a fourth and three in that situation, that's that's probably a situation where you want to go for it. I mean, it makes it really hard on a fourth and long, whereas what we ended up taking with that sack. But uh, 
Yeah, man. I, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger, after eating a cheesesteak, could make that first down or at least make an attempt <laughs> at that first down. So I don't know how you can tell me that Nick Foles can't even try, man. It, it, it was lack of effort that really got me on it. And also, too, I mean, let's just think about this, man. So we had to punt the ball back to Breeze and say what you want, right? That that offense, to me, they didn't do anything exceptional today, but you can't give a guy like that so many chances to win a game because he's going to close it out. I mean, that guy's a future Hall of Famer. So in that situation, I think all day, fellas, what I saw is just our defense being put in bad, terrible positions. And time and time again, we're dependent on this defense to bail us out. And today, our luck ran out when it came to that. My concern on that last drive, though, it wasn't really the sack that, that concerned me the most. It was the fact that I saw two drop passes right before that. Miller dropped the pass. Graham dropped the pass. And then the sack occurred. I was devastated. Yeah, I get that because Miller, you know, he did make that drop and he's got to have that one. But I would say this, man, Miller, to me, had a solid game and he showed up very well there. But I'm just telling you, you can't have that. You can't take sacks. I mean, that's football one-on-one in that situation. Get rid of the ball or something. I mean, you can't take sacks. We've seen this guy holding on to the ball way too long. And it's just, it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, man. And, you know, I, I really think, you know, just kind of, you know, take off on that point a little bit. It, it's a situation where... Foles really has been having a hard time with like time management. Like I feel like in a lot of games that we've been coming into late or trying to make a run at the end, like say even last week against the Rams, man, he he's kind of had this like lackadaisical approach. Like I haven't seen a lot of, you know, kind of sense of urgency out of him. And you kind of see it when he's taking sacks at bad times like that, he's got to know to at least try to get the ball at somebody's feet or something like right. he's, he's a guy who's supposed to be able to read a blitz, supposed to be able to read a defense. That's, that's what we're supposed to be getting in Nick Foles. And if we're not getting that, we're really missing that kind of ability to run and move in the pocket that we got out of Mitch. Yeah, because that's what we were sold, right? We were sold the guy that knows the system, right? A veteran quarterback that's going to make the, the smart play, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Get... <laughs> but new quarterback, and we're still seeing the same result. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm struggling with when I see him out there is that when he gets under pressure, I can see him making mistakes. And I think I've said this over the past couple of weeks. When he gets some pressure on him, that's when he's more liable to make mistakes. I mean, the interception. And then he, he made one more pass out there as well that it could have been intercepted that was just a bad throw from him. So you, you kind of see some things from Foles that you just really didn't like from a veteran quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you can't have that um, because my thing is this. Uh, Mitch, and, th- and I, I don't want to turn this into a, you know, who should be in the game, but I'm just going to just give it to you guys straight, listeners. Mitch was pulled from the ball game, not just because of that bad pick that he had. It was a, a combination of just his not getting it done over the course of his time as a starting quarterback. But when I'm looking at what I'm seeing out there from Nick Foles, I'm looking at a guy right now that is losing us ball games because while he wasn't terrible out there today, I thought that there were some plays out there on that field that could have been made. And, and to Duke's point, I think it was effort. I think there's been too many situations where he looks confused out there. Uh, the time management aspect is not there. And then also that let's talk about that play or that series where his headset went out. He looked like a rookie out there trying to figure out what to do. I'm like, dude, you have a, a play sheet there. Go go to the line and fucking call something. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, man. And I and I kind of jumped on that same thing. You're dude, you're a vet. You're supposed to know this offense like the back of your hand. You have you have a play sheet on your on your wrist. Like, and how do you not know a play's not coming in? Like within the first 10 seconds of that uh that, that play clock's going down. How in the world do you not know that there's something going on where this play isn't coming in? Whereas you got to get something to the line. You got to run your ass to the sideline, tell, tell Nagy, give me a play, anything. And it just, 
we were 10 seconds in, left on the play clock and we're still rushing to the line. Like that's just, that's a mess. That is a mess. And then we're still seeing too many of these delayed game calls. I mean, when we have fucking Charles Leno pointing out, hey, we got to snap the ball. I mean, and any of our listeners know that, you know, I, I go after this guy. But if he's the one that's basically correcting you, Foles, <laughs> we got bigger problems. <laughs> exactly, man. I saw that play as well. And Foles is talking to the wide receiver. I'm like, dude, you got five seconds left. You got to make a move now, man. And you should be able to know what the clock's saying before we even got to the line. So his mismanagement on that part of it really bothered me. Because that's not what you're seeing with a, with a vet quarterback. What do you have for us, dude? Komet on that same play was actually pointing out at like, I'm pretty sure he was pointing at the uh, play clock across the field, kind of being like, hey, we, are we snapping the ball? And speaking of Komet, since you brought him up, so last week, Komet made a couple, you know, plays, and we've all been wondering when he's going to start getting targeted more. So Matt Nagy and his presser said, hey, this is a guy that we're going to basically get involved in the game plan more, right? So today's game, he gets one target in the fourth quarter with 150 left in the ball game. Why do people continue, in you guys' opinion, continue to get lost in this offense? What, when is Matt Nagy going to actually take accountability for this offense? And when is he going to actually stop saying what he's going to do and actually fucking do it? Well, dude, the part, the part that kills me with that is not only did it take that long for Komet to get a target in this game, we gave him a fucking flat. Like, yeah, to the to the sidelines. Like, are you kidding? This guy is huge. He made his living at Notre Dame going over the middle of the field. Jimmy yes. Graham hasn't been getting it done. Like in this game in particular, I'm not going to attack Jimmy on the entire season. But right. like, dude, get this guy going in the middle of the field. Like, I thank God that that didn't get called a fumble and that got called, uh, you know, the play where it got killed on um, forward progress. Yeah. But man, I just. I don't understand. Like Demetrius Harris was completely non-existent today in the offense, which would make you think that Cole Komet would be getting those targets, but right. Cole Komet did not get those targets. And it, it just doesn't make sense, dude. And, and, and to your point, Duke, it, it's a situation where does this quarter, this, does this offensive coordinator, which I call him, does he not get mismatches? Because like you said, Cole Komet is huge. Get that guy running up those seams, right? Because this New Orleans Saints secondary is fucking trash. Um, and the fact of the matter that we didn't exploit that matchup more than what we did just on that one chunk play to Mooney, that was a fucking shame because this should have been the game where that offense was taking shots down the field and actually having some success. And I think that it was a missed opportunity not getting to commit the ball in space and not throwing a one fucking pass out in the flat. Yeah, man. And the fact that it took it just the fact it took that long in the game, because you know what? I, I didn't listen to all Nagy's presser. I'm sure we're going to hear some stupid ass line tomorrow about how, oh, we're going to get him involved. I agree. He should get involved more. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, dude, I'm sick of hearing this. I want to see results like this kid can ball. This isn't an Adam Shaheen. Oh, we got him out of the middle. You know, we got him from. Ashland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ashland. We got this guy from Ashland. He looked decent against D2. No, this is Colt Komet. He went to Notre Dame and he carried an offense. Like, this guy can play. Get him involved. And the yeah. thing we got to think about as well, we're already eight games in. We shouldn't be having this kind of discussion about getting Cole involved in the game. He should already be established already by this time. But here we are. So, in my opinion, and to Duke's point, We've talked about this on, on a previous episode. We said no more excuses, right? Right. Because Nagy will continue to trot those things out, right? We we right. see that the team struggles to run the ball, right? So what does Nagy say? We got to run the ball better, right? He'll say, hey, we got to do this better. We got to do this better. Well, you're the fucking head coach. 
I don't understand how he takes no accountability and he doesn't call anybody out, right? So we've seen that this offensive line has struggled. He'll be asked flat out to basically say, hey, did this position group get the job done? And he'll say, well, I need to look at film. You don't need to look at film to, to see what's in front of you, Nagy. To see the way that you're calling plays because you don't trust those guys up front, call it like it is. Get those guys in the film review and start calling these guys out. Charles Leno had the nerve last week to say when the reporters asked him, does he think that he played well? And he said that he thought that he played well. What kind of team do we have when a guy like that can sit in front of the media and we all as fans know what we're seeing right now? How can this guy even have the audacity to say that? Well, I'll have one word to describe that. My one word will be delusional. It can't be that naive. No, dude, you're you're 100% on, man. I honestly, I, I'll go a little bit farther. I'll say soft. Like what what <laughs> what in the world? Like what are we telling these players in this locker room that tell that tells a guy like Charles Leno that he's doing good, man? And the, the thing I always hear from nagging these press conferences are, uh, yeah, you know, these guys they're they're all in, or you know, they're they're working really hard and everything like that. And it's like, bro. These guys are professional athletes. They're getting paid to do this. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they love being your friend, but they want somebody to challenge them. They want somebody to tell them they're fucking up. You know what I mean? You know, this like accountability you tossed at Mitchell Trubisky, toss it to the other 52 active players on the roster, man. Talk to him, Duke. Dude, that's, that's how it should be. I just, I always thought that like Nagy would always was like, maybe this like, secretive like you know real like straight up dude when he's not in front of the media but i'm just starting to wonder exactly who the fuck this guy is i really am uh, he doesn't he doesn't even know i mean all he knows is how to be you i mean but i don't know if he really knows how to be him oh i, I think he needs to stop being him because <laughs> that shit we're seeing i'm like bro stop it <laughs> here's what i'll say to that though here's what i'll say to this i hope duke i hope that um naggy is putting on his persona so he won't lose the locker room to us. But I hope in the locker room that he is holding guys accountable. Now, we may not ever, never know what goes on the locker room, right? And I'm okay with that, not knowing. But I do hope he will be holding some of these guys accountable for their actions. I mean, for example, Jen is out, right? We didn't see him out there getting punt returns. He didn't come out and say, hey, we're going to get rid of Jen and not have him do punt returns. But um, punt returns. But again, it happened, right? So uh, I will say if he's doing something like that where he's making some moves uh, or holding people accountable behind the scenes, I can enroll with that. Well, I'll say this because uh, I, I don't necessarily know if I think he's holding people accountable because if you have the left tackle coming out and saying that he thinks that he played well, I don't think that's accountability because he would have taken it on the chin. And I think the Nagy's selective and who he holds accountable because what, so far what we've seen is Mitch is the person that everyone blamed for the issues with this ball team. And I think that after eight games, I think anyone that has a brain knows that this issue with this football team goes far beyond the quarterback that's lining up on the center. And Ted Ginn, I'm sorry, but that move should have happened way sooner than it did. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to fucking say what I've been saying on every episode. Why is Riley Ridley inactive? Dude, you got me, man. Like, I'm at a loss of words because I I don't understand it. Like, why, why, first of all, did we draft him this high if we did not think he was going to be, like, a contributor on this offense? And then, two, like... Anthony Miller before today has been struggling. Like mm-hmm. let's 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 not sugarcoat that at all. Like right. I love seeing a guy like Anthony Miller go off today because we all know what he's capable of. But he's a guy who really hasn't been showing it these past few weeks. What what would it hurt bringing in a bringing him in to 
Riley Ridley into play in some, a couple downs here and there. Even even the spell with uh, Wims, you know what I mean? Because don't get me wrong, Wims is good in the run game, but Ridley's a big body too. You yep. know, I just I'm I'm kind of thinking that will be like the like the one positive that will come out of that Wims situation is there's a good chance we do see some Riley Ridley. I don't think Wims will will get cut personally, but I think this will be an opportunity for Ridley to get activated and possibly Wims taking a you know inactive game or two at least hopefully be held accountable for that crap that happened. Yeah. And that's um, speaking, of, speaking of accountability, you, you got to hold the guy accountable for doing that bullshit. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think from list of Nagy talk today about Wim, um, he was pretty much frustrated. Um, I don't think Wims will be playing next week. Um, maybe even not in the future. I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing, list of Nagy today, Nagy was stuck on that play on that fight. And, um, he kind of like made that the scapegoat. So I'll try to, you know, of course you want to look around that, but I can tell during the, during his um, interview, he was very much frustrated about that. Well, I'll just say this, man. Uh, Riley really, to Duke's point, high draft pick of pace. They talked about his route running, which I mentioned on the last episode. And we've seen that Miller has been inconsistent this season. Mooney's been the only person that's consistently gotten separation. I think a big body guy like that running him up the seam and basically utilizing him in the red zone, which we're struggled offensively, it seems like a no-brainer. Well, I guess what do I know? I'm just a fan of the stand. Uh, like you said, there's no Ginn. Um, he's out pretty much. Um, doesn't like there's no whims. There's the opportunity right there for Ridley. So hopefully we get a chance to see him come into the game um, next week. Yeah, man. I, I feel like it would only make sense at this point, especially with the stuff that's going on with whims. You know, like right. I said, I don't think this is necessarily something that will get him cut because I think with COVID, having guys that know your system is insanely valuable right now. Yep. Right. But I really do think this is going to be a big opportunity. I, I'd be shocked if Riley Ridley wasn't on the active roster next week. Yeah, he has to be. And I'm sorry, Nagy, that Ridley upset you last uh, training <laughs> camp by calling out your scheme. But you got to get this guy to the doghouse, man. Let the ego go. And, and dude, come on. Let the guy play. Like, what are we doing? I, can that, I just I want that statement right there. I want that to just go across everything. Can Matt Nagy just please let his ego go in general? I wish he would, man, because it comes down to that BU bullshit that's stamped on that play sheet. And I'm sorry, but bro, you even and, and you know what? Fans they 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 are not able to separate the two aspects of Nagy, right? So we have Nagy the play caller, Nagy the head coach. I'm okay with Nagy the head coach to a degree, but Nagy the play caller. I fucking hate that guy. I mean, you know, I I kind of feel the same way. Like, I think I think if Matt Nagy was honestly smart, his best bet moving forward, like even if this like season were to fall off the rails, would be able to show that he can, he has that ability to kind of take a step back, and maybe that lets him focus more on kind of you know the time management or the you know the game planning aspect compared to having to call every single play, you know. Because there, there are so many situations in a game where it's just like situational awareness, where you're wondering what Matt's thinking. You know what I mean? Whether it's calling a timeout before half or whether it's, you know, trying to go for a field goal or a touchdown near the end of half or, you know, just there's a lot of different aspects of it. And who knows, Matt might be a lot better at a lot of that stuff if he's able to just focus on the game itself instead of focusing on the offense. Exactly right, and and, I not, agree. and and not running the ball on third and eight, even though it, it worked out. But that was oh. a fucking dumbass play call. That was a scary play. <laughs> that was scary, man. I was like, oh no, but it worked. I was like, okay, I'll I'll calm down. But still, I didn't like the play. Dude, he owes he owes David Montgomery a stake for sure. No kidding, right? <laughs> no kidding. Well, speaking of the game plan, um, 
Hey, Dub, what did you think about the game plan today? Was there anything about it that you that you liked? Uh, I like the game plan and the aspect of uh, trying to um, get some long plays going. What I mean, some big plays, right? We're trying to get Mooney out on the outside, through the middle, trying to beat some of the coverage. I thought that was good because I thought getting some big plays would probably open up some run holes uh, for this team here because I know they're one of the, the toughest um, – run teams, uh, run defensive teams um, in the league. So I thought doing that would probably force those safeties to want to think about Mooney or A-Rob out there and um, open up some stuff. And I thought it did, it's, to, some, to some degree, open up some good plays for Montgomery. Yeah, dude. And uh, I, I really kind of like the balance that came with the run game. You know, I don't think that, obviously, you know, we just talked about that third and eight with the running game where that was a little confusing. But I really liked actually seeing them try to actively get Dave Montgomery involved because this is the type of game that he can give you, dude. 21 carries, 89 yards. He popped off that 38 yard run too, man. Like, right. He, and if I, if I am correct, like probably the lead, I think he's leading the league in uh, broken tackles at this point. He is. He is. <laughs> and, and listen, with that offensive line, he has to. <laughs> yeah. Really right. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, I agree with Duke. I think when it comes to that offense, what we saw in the first half, that balance was really good to see. And fellas, how about that open and drive where they ate up time on the clock, even though we only got a field goal out of that play. But I thought that that was huge because, man, like last season, uh, we saw a lot of those times with the open and drives where they were scripted. We saw that the offense were marching down the field. And this season, we've kind of gotten away from that. And I don't know what you guys think about that, but I really wish that they would maybe go to more of those scripted plays that maybe start the game and maybe even open the, uh, the third quarter because those third quarter struggles that A-Dub has talked about on the show, they continue to to, to, to kill us. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I definitely I definitely dig the, the way we started out. We came out of the gate. And uh, in all honesty, like the last drive of the fourth quarter, if we used kind of that system, I mean, it drove me nuts because it was in the fourth quarter at the end of the game where we were kind of being lackadaisical with getting up to the ball and stuff. But the <laughs> way we the way we called plays on that drive is what we should be doing throughout this entire game. I, I feel like with the offense last year, we hit a lot of points where we felt like we had to score touchdowns because we were so paranoid about the kicking game. Whereas Cario Santos has turned out to be a pretty good pickup for us. He's a guy who's been nailing his kicks. So how about it? Yeah, man, I do big shout out to Carlos Santos because I was dogging him early and earlier on in the year. But man, he's definitely earning his job right now. That kid's but, got some fucking stones, dude, for real. And in big time, in big time spots, too, dude. Like yeah. he probably he probably has dude. hard times putting his jeans on in the morning. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. Dude, they they said they ice my guy. He he drills the the first fifty one yarder. <laughs> they ice him, and I was looking at his face. He was like, Shh, I'm not tripping on that shit. And it drills the shit again. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Santos is taking advantage of his opportunity. Remember, he was cut, right? Uh, was, they were banking on Panero coming back. And then Panero couldn't go. And then he comes back out. So, you know, ooh, he feels... He's nowhere to be seen right now. Eddie who? Right, right. So, uh, as you can see, Santos is pretty much saying, hey, there's no need to look back. Why don't you all just move forward with me? So, we'll see what the team decides to do going forward but right now i'm impressed with santos i'm gonna make a point here that's gonna definitely um it's gonna probably depress some of our listeners but could you imagine if we had santos as our kicker uh, back in 2018 oh man i already knew it was coming when he started <laughs> i mean duke you guys remember he was available yeah i mean i i actually think he was uh 
he was kind of messing around like with the roster that year because I think there were some games where Parky was actually like questionable or something like that. Right. So I'm pretty sure he had been in the facility at that point, which, yeah, they would, I was at the double doink game. So, yeah, that makes that hurt just a little bit more. But, same, uh, same here. No, my seats are in that end zone, bro. Uh, bro. And um, I know you guys had Buzz on here too, man. He was yep. in that end zone as well. Yep, yep. He's actually in the GIF. He's in the GIF? Yeah, if, if you if you cut it real close, man, you bring it up to him, they'll get all salty, but he'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Was there anything else that you guys liked about the game plan today? I guess to kind of, you know, finish off of my point, I, I I liked when we were balancing it, man. When we were setting up play action and letting Foles kind of, uh, you know, take, throw, some, uh, throw some darts down the field, dude, I feel like that was our offense at our absolute best. And I feel right. like that's been our offense at our absolute best. Since we can run the ball, even if it's not effective, dude. The defense is, like, having to prepare for us running the football where we can take a shot down the field with either man-to-man coverage or a single safety over the top. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I like the way that they utilized Miller today. Um, I thought that Miller came into the game. They got him involved early. And, and this is the thing with Miller. He struggles with concentration and consistency. But I thought getting him involved early kind of kept him engaged in his ball game. And he made some really good plays. Now, I know he had that drop that A-Dub brought up early in the game. But I really liked how they kind of had him going in motion a little bit, getting him the ball out. He caught the ball well today. But I love that approach with things, and I would love if, if Nagy continued to utilize him and Mooney more in those type of ways of just getting those guys the ball in open space. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing I saw that I thought was very good today was having Foles set up in a shotgun. I think we've seen Foles most in the shotgun all day. So I can appreciate that part because we know that our line isn't that strong. So giving Foles just another second in that shotgun helped. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I uh, I actually kind of noticed that as well. That was Anything that can get him more time in the pocket, if that's going to be the uh, move going forward at quarterback, obviously, that's that has to be it. Because Nick Foles is not effective on the run. He's not effective kind of really. I mean, he can throw under pressure, but he's so much better when he has a clean pocket. And that's that's honestly what made him go in Philly was Philly had such a good front five in front of him that that's what kind of, you know, helped uh, establish his game. But man, if I guess if I'm finishing off on anything with uh, the game plan, you know, to that Anthony Miller point. I feel like once that stuff happened with Wims and uh, Gardner Johnson, you know, that could have been the point where Miller kind of lost his head. That could have been the point where Miller decided that he was going to be feisty for the rest of the game. But you know what I saw a lot of for the rest of that game? I saw a lot of Gardner Johnson chirping, and I saw a lot of Anthony Miller catching the ball, tossing to the ref, and and rolling back to that uh, huddle. He was in the zone. And Maturity. You know yep. Yeah. Man, and it, that's always been the big thing with Miller. I mean, I always think of that uh, that Rams game last year where he just oh, completely God. lost his head, and he just has never rebounded from that. And this is this was a great step in Anthony Miller's projection, I think, in this game. Yeah, that I will is, say that is true. Yeah, and I would add one thing to that: CJ Garner's the one that put his finger in, um, in Miller's face, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like look like that faded him at all. He just continued to play and um and, and executed. So for the most part, he had a very good game. Oh, yeah, yeah he definitely did. Because to, to to Duke's point, we all remember that Rams game where he caused a turnover, had an offensive P.I., and he's throwing up the, the Memphis sign at somebody. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you doing, bro? So it's just a lot of that kind of stuff with Miller. But to Duke's point, I was really proud of him because all you saw was that Gardner Johnson talking shit, 
and Miller's just like basically next play because I'm just going to eat you again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> for sure, dude. It got to a point where he was. He was straight up eating on him that for that entire rest of the game. Yeah, and I would say this too. Uh, I don't know if you guys peeped this, but they were going after Lattimore. Whoever was on uh, – whichever receiver had Lattimore on him, whether it was A-Rob, whether it was Mooney, they were picking on Lattimore. And I, and I was noticing Lattimore, I think, is the most targeted player uh, in the NFL this season. So they definitely saw something in tape in the film review where they were just going after him. I've actually heard from some fans across the league, you know, because I've kind of mixed it up with a little bit of everyone since my time of being on social media. And people are looking at Lattimore like he got way overhyped early on and he's not nearly as good as he, people were saying he was out, out of the gate. Kind of similar to what we're seeing with uh, – Jalen Ramsey, man, like Jalen Ramsey, don't get me wrong. Talented dude, very physical type guy. I've seen that guy get beat more this year than I've ever seen him get beat. Yeah, and and they gave him that big contract. He's not the Jalen Ramsey that we saw when he was with Jacksonville where when he was that Jacksonville Ramsey, that dude was, you weren't touching him. Yeah, and you also had uh, A.J. Boye on the opposite side of him, which probably helped him with some matchups. Right, right, exactly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, fellas, let's go back on the opposite side of the the house here, and I'm going to crack open another beer. This is going to be number two for me at this Ken's Lager Brewery. What did you like about the game plan? Because I got a lot. Man, uh, yeah, you know, and (laughs) I kind of got to talk it to, like I said before uh, before the show, I'm not going to say by who, but I got told not (laughs) to be so damn negative. (laughs) But, but dude, I (sighs) – I don't know, man. There were so many points in this game on offense that just blew me away. Um, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll let you guys pick up on some of that, and I'll jump to the more unpopular side of the football here. On defense, I did not understand when we got a guy in Drew Brees who has been struggling, struggling throwing the deep ball that we were giving him so much underneath. I just I don't understand it. I feel like we were giving him a lot of layups. We weren't giving him – really anything to have to challenge him down underneath where man we don't have slant route michael thomas you know what i mean right they don't have that deep threat where you know breeze can really throw it up and honestly look at the plays where breeze had to throw past 10 yards we had that eddie jackson play that could have been an interception we had a lot of ducks being thrown yep i just don't understand why we're playing such cushy coverage on it can i can i ask you guys both a quick question on that um are you guys just as sick and tired of, of Pagano's soft-ass defense to close halves? Yes, um, I am. I am sick of it. Like, everybody keeps talking about the bend but don't break. That shit's broke. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> the coverage doesn't work for anyone, really. I'll tell you right now, every time we go into that zone coverage like that, we always get beat. It's been consistently happening. It's not just a one-time thing. Today wasn't just a fluke. It always happens. So I think we need to stick with just putting pressure on players on a, on the offense, putting pressure on those guys, and then let our defense continue working. As far as this zone coverage, it doesn't work well at all. See, man, and that's uh, I'm glad you brought that point up about keeping pressure on offense because I really think that's kind of why we play this little bend don't break break bullshit. Is uh, I don't think a guy Chuck Pagano, who was a head coach at one point, trusts our offense to be able to put up points if we're aggressive on defense. Because, dude, if we can send like Khalil Mack with a guy like Danny Trevathan in the middle, 
damn near two to three times every drive. Like we're eating quarterbacks. We have all the talent up front in that front seven, but I feel like we hit this bend don't break where we don't have guys being able to jump routes. We don't have Eddie Jackson able to take chances because if we get beat beat deep for a touchdown, we're not that confident that our offense can get back on the field and at least get a field goal. That's just, I feel like that's just the reality of it at this point. And it's really affecting what we're doing on the defensive side of the football, man. It's complimentary football. If our offense isn't producing, our defense has to kind of play. We have to manage. We have to manage this offense getting any points on us because if they do, we don't trust our offense to be able to kind of have our back. Yeah, but it comes back to bite us when, in fact, when we allow um, these opponents' offense to to cook, right, to make these plays and eat up the clock and then execute a, a nice play. And, and, you know, heading to the halftime, like, for example, having this side from around, we're doing pretty good. We have 13-3. There's no reason to play this zone coverage. We have 13-3. And what that did, let these guys back in the game to end the half 13-10. That sucked right there. Well, that's the thing, because you let them march down the field. Right. And to Duke's point, and our listeners know this because it got brought up on the broadcast, but the Saints are dead last in air yards uh, for the season. And we didn't see Drew Brees taking any sort of shots. Everything with him was dunking it, getting the ball to Kamara, because that was truly their only weapon on offense for them today. Right. But we played like they had some big playmakers out there, which they don't, right, as far as from the wideouts. Their wideouts are hurt. Their main players are hurt. So we're playing as like they're there. They're not. Emmanuel Sanders is not there. Uh, Thomas is not there. Why are we acting like those guys are playing? Yeah, man, and I'm definitely on you with that. Like, I 100% agree with that. Dude, Taysom Hill killed us for a 20-yard touchdown. Come on, that that shit ain't cool. That should never happen. That should never happen. Should never happen. And and, and on that play, the middle was wide open. Where were our fucking safeties? Right. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it it looked like a soft-ass cover, too, without a linebacker in the middle, man. That, that, That was blowing me away, especially that close to the end zone. Why are we playing that far back? You know, dude, if you want to put Eddie playing center field, that's fine. Right. Why are we, why are we having Jalen Johnson act like he's got to cover 15 yards down the field when we're literally right in the red zone? It made made no sense at all to me. Also, another point, uh, can we stop dropping Khalil back and back into coverage? Yeah, I don't know how that happened there where he got beat for that, um, what, 40 yards from uh, Kamara? Yeah, you tell, you guys are telling me you don't love Khalil Mack uh, covering running backs? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my thing. Pagano's been doing that, right? And I'm like, this guy's the most disruptive pass rusher in the game. And we're just like, all right, we'll give you the playoff and drop you and cover the flat. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I 100% agree, man. Where you make Khalil Mack dangerous in that is you rush him like 30 times, and then you have that maybe one play where you have him sit back after a pass rush and maybe tip a ball at the line or get an interception because he's right. good at that. But, yeah, man, I I don't understand this idea. Like, I, I don't see him doing that with Robert Quinn. So why in the holy hell are we doing that with Khalil Mack? And, that was if terrible. It, and if there's anybody I'm going to do it with, is I'm going to do it with that guy since he doesn't make any fucking plays. Barkevious Mingo flashed more in limited snaps. I heard his name called more on that broadcast, and I can't wait to see the All-22 because he seemed like he was setting the edge, edge and making things happen. Where the fuck is Robert Quinn? Bro, so you guys been checking out that All-22 then? Oh, yeah. I watch it every week, man. Bro, I got to say, man, Barkevious Mingo has revitalized his career in Chicago. He has. I'm very impressed with what I see. He's not flashy. He doesn't do anything insane, but him in run coverage and – him just giving effort on every single play that he's out there, like this is 
it's a far call from what I saw in Cleveland and New England and stuff like that. Like he looked like a flat out bust before he came here and he's, he's churning out into a pretty solid player. We around great defensive guys, right? That can help you turn things around and give you some tips and trades on how to be great. And you got Max showing you a couple of things. You have uh, Hicks out there showing you a couple of things. He's around a good group, a good core. So I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. Yeah. And yeah. he's always, he's always been that athletic guy. So, I mean, maybe that's all he needed was that little uh, finesse touch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and the same thing with Mario Edwards Jr. That's another guy uh, that has shown and flashed as well. So 100%. to both of yep. you guys' point, I think when you're around talent, you know, you're going to get some opportunities. And at least those guys are taking advantage of those opportunities, unlike 94, who's playing <laughs> a lot like the other 94 that we had last year. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. That's a shot. That is a shot. Ouch. Right Ouch. I, yeah, man, like I, I always see this argument about what you don't see on the box score and that that's all fine and dandy, but man, I'm seeing a lot of failed swim moves. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Michael Phelps over here. Showing us Swim, out of here bro. Swimming in an empty pool. <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> well, man, let's, let's transition over to some of the positives. Uh, I'm going to throw this over to you, Duke. Uh, who do you give uh, your office of game ball to today for, uh, for week eight. I'd say I'd have to give it to a guy in Allen Robinson, man. I know that's, that's probably like the easy one, but (laughs) he's a guy, he's a guy who was getting fired up on the sideline. He's a guy who shows up every single week. I know, I know obviously he got dogged early on in the year because he was had the contract talk situation and he was getting balls ripped out of his hands, but six receptions on seven targets, 87 yards and a touchdown. It didn't feel like we were throwing to him enough. Um, I would want to give it to a guy like Anthony Miller, but I feel like we kind of praise him enough. Darnell yep. Mooney, I feel like he's just consistent. Um, but yeah, man, I got to give it to my boy A Rob. I mean, you, you can't go wrong there. You can't go wrong there. And I like and I like two in that in that game. To your point, Duke, when A Rob got a little fiery, you saw how he took some time to himself. He he got his mind right, and then he went back over there to talk to the office. I love that. Because, you know, in that moment, he was fucking pissed off, <laughs> you know, and knew yeah. that they could make better plays out there, but he wasn't disruptive. Yeah, 100%, man. And that's that's what you see from a lot of diva receivers. or They're going to sit there and just scream at everybody in that huddle. A-Rob, I, you know, I, I feel like people are starting to try to label him like that, but he's just such a smart dude where he understands that, listen, if I just snap on these guys, it's not going to help us. It's not going to give us anything. I'm going to walk over here. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to go scream at the fucking water boy. And then I'm going to get back in that huddle and we're going to, we're going to make this shit go. And that's what I love about a Rob, man. Yes, sir. What'd you have for me? A-Dub? You know, I went with um money moon. I had to go with money moon, man. I had to go with money moon on this. Um, you know, I've been, I've been really, um, talking about money moon for, um, almost every week, pretty much. I've seen this kid grow. Um, and now to really be, you, you probably want to say label him the number two receiver on the team. Um, I will say that 50 yard catch, man, to me was a game changer because what that did, it forced those, the cornerback and also forced those safeties to watch him. He became a target, meaning that when he goes long, he's going to bring those guys with them. And what I thought from that standpoint, it opened up some run plays for Montgomery uh, from that standpoint, because now they were worried about him. It didn't allow those um, safeties to cheat. Those safeties on the Saints do a good job at cheating to stop the run. They couldn't cheat all the time. They had to stay on A-Rod, but they also had to stay on Mooney, which means that, hey, guess what? If we do do a run play, is they, Montgomery to get some yards out of this as well. So that's why I want Mooney for the impact. Could you imagine what Mooney would have done today if he had a quarterback that didn't underthrow him so much? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, but they call it the, they call it that touch throw, that touch, yeah, the touch. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I, I'm really glad you brought up Mooney, though, dude. Like Mooney, I really believe is just going to be an absolute star in this league. I think so too, man. We got to get a competent quarterback in here, but dude, that guy's got all types of talent, four three speed, and you know the thing that I was really impressed with. They brought it up on the broadcast, but I had read an article this week. His first investment when he got his money was a judge machine. And I saw a picture of him in his like place catching footballs and shit. And I'm like, dude, this kid right here, I love him. He's he's a gamer. Absolutely. Yeah, obsessed, dude. Obsessed. And you love seeing that. You cause you can't have enough of that, man. You you gotta have more guys like that on this team that just are obsessed with with being better, with being like just students of their of their craft. Because we talked about Miller and everybody will say Miller's got potential and this and that, right? But as I always say, potential doesn't win you ball games. This is a results-oriented business. And I would like to see more guys on this team cut from that type of cloth. And Mooney, you could tell, has probably picked up a lot from A-Rob. Um, and Absolutely. A-Dub, you brought that up on some earlier episodes about how A-Rob uh, got a couple of those guys um, together over the offseason. Correct. And I think that that was invaluable for him. Absolutely. And I can see, you know, I think with him, every game, you start to see him get better and better. And you also start to see him get more and more involved in the offense a lot more. And what that does is skyrocket your confidence. So those uh, five catches for 69 yards and a TD was no shocker there. That's something we can see happen for him more often. And, and to that point, he's serving that role in the offense that everyone thought that Taylor Gabriel was going to do for us. And no, no disrespect to Turbo. I love Turbo. But the type of uh, explosiveness that Mooney brings is what we thought we were going to get from Gabriel. It didn't happen. No disrespect, but I love the fact that he's going to be able to actually take the top off of uh, these defenses. And he's going to be really uh, an incredible player for us to see over time. Yeah, um, dude, 100%. Yeah. And uh, if I could just make one last point about Mooney, I, yeah. I, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not taking up the last point too much on you guys. I don't want to hijack your pot or anything. <laughs> oh, go for it, bro. <laughs> but, uh, I think my favorite play for Mooney, like it, and it kind of showed his football IQ, had to be in, had to have been in that Giants game when uh, the play completely broke down with Mitch, and Mitch oh, kind of yeah. was, Mitch kind of like got eye contact with him and tried to, they were kind of working together to get that play opened up, and it just ended up being a touchdown where Mooney not only got in a great position but went up and grabbed a football like a grown ass man catch and. This guy, I just, the sky is the limit, dude. I, I can't say enough great things about Darnell Mooney. And honestly, I think this stat line is just going to be another day at the office. Absolutely. Exactly. And can exactly. I add one more thing on this for Mooney, though, that you all may have seen? But, um, but I want to highlight it, though. One thing about Mooney is when a quarterback makes a um, tough decision and may throw the ball off to where that Mooney can't get it, he makes sure that the um, quarterbacks doesn't get it either. He'll knock it out their hands as well. So that's one thing I appreciate about him as well is that, hey, if I can't get it, you can't get it either. Yeah, that's that football IQ that you guys both uh, brought up. So definitely good point there. Um, I would say my offensive game ball, I would give it to David Montgomery. Um, and, and again, you know, it goes well beyond stats because we don't focus on stats on this podcast. Right. But I would just say it's been a reoccurring theme that he gains most of his yards on his own because he has no offensive line to kind of help him out. I mean, the guy's breaking tackles before he can even damn get the ball in his hands. But I would say the offensive line, they had another bad performance again today. But Montgomery, true to his form, he ran hard. And he showed great patience. I don't know if you guys are kind of watching how he was waiting for just little, a little sliver of like a hole to pop to open. He'd pop mm-hmm. his head, run forward, get three or four yards. That's tough running. That's the type of stuff that I love to see. And he finished every run with power. 
And so I played, you know, ball. And, and that was the thing that they taught us backs. You got to finish every run, right? And he does not leave any yards on the field. And I love that, right? And my thing is, we've heard a lot of people talking about the Bears need to get Lamar Miller called up from the practice squad. Look, if you give Montgomery the ball, I don't think you need to worry about bringing Lamar Miller up. Now, will he help? Yeah, because I'm tired of seeing a Cordell Patterson experiment at running back. I think we need to utilize him in a better way. But Montgomery is all the running back that we need. We just have to open up holes where this kid can be successful. Yeah, and I think your point is about Montgomery. Think about this here. The Saints was what ranked what number four when it comes down to stopping the run. Yep. Check this out. We have, at one point, we had Alex Bars out there, right? A replacement of a replacement. <laughs> um, we had what? Sam Mustafer out there, right? Who was replacing our center. We have who else out there? We have Jermaine Effetti out there. We also have Rashad Coward out there. So we had three replacements out on the field at one point, and this guy Montgomery still doing a good job for us in the backfield. So that takes a lot of hard work to go against all those odds. I can definitely understand why you have him as your player again. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. and I was going to say, too, you bring it up Mustafer. I love that kid's hustle. Um, he finishes blocks really well. Um, I love what I saw from him on tape last week. Duke, I don't know if you had a chance to see that, but Mustafer, he, he, he filled in pretty well today, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that's definitely something I'm going to be watching on the All-22. That's kind of like, I wish I could do more film breakdown, but I definitely like to pay attention to the offensive line every week and kind of see the highlights and the lowlights. And um, really excited to see what he did uh, specifically against the pass game. Um, man, if, I, if I'm going to keep it short, and sweet when it comes to uh, when it comes to David Montgomery, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack out a Gale Sayers quote. Give me 18 <laughs> inches of daylight, and that's all I need. <laughs> Dave Montgomery, opportunistic. It don't matter who's in front of him; he's gonna try to make something happen if you give the guy enough carries. Absolutely, absolutely. What about your defensive game ball? Mm, it's between Roquan and Danny T, but I think I gotta <laughs> give it to Roquan. Just because Roquan hit a point where he had, he probably had the toughest matchup of his entire game. He had to yep. deal with Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. He and uh, dude, he was all over. He was all over the field, whether he was making the tackle or not. He was making cutbacks not happen because he because of his sheer presence. And I think when you have a guy like Roquan Smith play the way that he does, I think a guy who in Danny T who struggled on early in the year is starting to finally glow because he gets to play next to a guy like Roquan Smith, who kind of covers for him a little bit. So he gets to play a little bit more comfortably, man. Two tackles for loss, nine solo tackles. Roquan Smith put his meat on the table. Yes, he did. All on the table. Oh, every week. <laughs> and I definitely, hey, look, I definitely like that fourth and one um, in the third quarter where he got that big stop. I thought that was huge. Oh, yeah. And, and let's talk about that for a quick second. Sean Payton going for it on fourth down. It was a theme of this ball game, disrespecting our defense. What the hell are you doing, Sean Payton? You don't know that, what this defense is about. I think they took that shit personal. And you saw the way they flew off the ball there. I'm like, <laughs> don't play with us. <laughs> exactly. They were all over that, man. The whole team's like, nah, it's not going to happen right now. We're gonna not take today. Not, not today. today. Hell no, man. <laughs> Did you, have, did you have Roquan too, Ada? Um, I went with Denny Trevathan. Of course, we can always we can give it to Roquan. We could, but I went with Denny Trevathan, and here's why. Uh, I thought that he played like we would expect him to play all year. And I say, you know what? If he can play this every game, that's a huge win for us. I mean, Denny Trevathan played like he was alive back in the day. I mean, he had six solo tackles. He had one tackle for a loss. But one thing I give him some credit for was in coverage. When the guys caught the ball, he was right there to get a stop on it. So I can respect that. 
No, yeah, I definitely, I definitely like that because we have definitely called Danny T out, and rightfully so, right? I mean, there were some games right. earlier in the season where he looked yeah, like he was so. washed, right? But I'm gonna tell you one thing: that Danny that we saw today, I was like, all right, Danny, I, w- I want to see him because right. because <laughs> <laughs> he was he was showing up in coverage, and I was like, this is that Danny that I remember that was tackling people and not losing, not missing tackles. So, no, to your point, man, Danny, he stepped it up today. My defensive game bomb, and I'm going to uh, kind of uh, circle back just quickly on what Duke mentioned. I went with Roquan as well. All I'll say is he flew around the field, was strong in coverage, definitely having a Pro Bowl season. And if he didn't have 52 on his side of the field, he would be our defensive MVP this season. I agree. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, man. I, I think uh, I think Roquan's probably one of the more underrated defensive players, not even just on the Bears, but in the entire league. Absolutely. I agree. Well, man, before we get you um, get you out of here, uh, Duke, who did you have as your underperforming player today for the Bears? Well, I could sit here and just say most of the offense that isn't a skill position player, <laughs> but um, I will say this, and I'm actually I'll actually be nice. I will put the gloves on for this because he's a rookie. Jalen Johnson had a rough one out there today. Yes, he did. And yeah. I know, I know, a little bit had to do with the scheme and him playing playing off the ball, but there were some there were some situations where he definitely could have been a little bit closer to his matchup. Um, I always used to like one thing I used to like about Charles Tillman is he used to kind of, uh, he played within his scheme. He didn't play to it to whereas he could, uh, he could also still play instinctual football in his own. And um, I think that's something Jalen's getting better at, but I still think he follows his assignments a little too close to the close to the close to the chest, I guess, if you catch what I'm saying. Yep. Um, and yeah, you know, he's these games are going to happen. He's a rookie. If he wasn't a rookie, if he was like a third-year player, I'm probably talking about Jalen Johnson for most of this uh, most of this podcast. But because he's a rookie, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he was definitely one that kind of stuck out to me today on defense. It just really wasn't uh, cutting the mustard. Yeah, he definitely had a rough one out there, man. And and I think a lot of that probably was the scheme, right? And the way Pagano had him uh, lining up out there. And I think yeah. that's something that they definitely need to readdress because you're not doing that, that kid any favors. He's already a rookie. <laughs> you know, put him in positions where he can do what he can do best, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. What you have, A-Dub? I want you all to follow me on this right here, okay? Jimmy Graham, all right? <laughs> Roll with me on this. Jimmy played his first five years in the NFL with the Saints, right? They traded him, right? <laughs> he got traded, you know, uh, from them. They sent them over to Seattle Seahawks, right? That trade was for uh, Max Unger, whatever you want to call his name. But with this here, you always want to get paid back on the team that, all, that drafted you, right, that you played for. So with this, he comes out against the Saints. Two tar- I mean, he had, what, seven targets, um, two catches for 13 yards. I'm very disappointed in that. So much for a revenge game. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, just, it was just non-existent, man. I And you know what? I I, I feel for him a little bit, obviously, because, dude, that is the Saints. I mean, that is some shit he has to show up to. Like, and Jimmy Graham seems like that dude who gets way too fired up. Yep. But man, props to him for actually going on Twitter and, and facing it. Because he did. He went out there. He owned up to it. But I'm going to say this about that, Duke, and I think you can appreciate this. In the words of Tom Thibodeau, do your job. It sounds good, Jimmy, but do your damn job. Because what I saw out there from him today, he just looked disinterested. Um, he didn't run through his routes. I think Troy Aikman was killing him for that too, right? And then oh, yeah, right. dude. Oh, Aikman yeah, was going definitely. to town on him. And he was right, though. 
and it he wasn't doing um he wasn't doing the things that 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 to get him separation from the defenders. So yeah, no, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't at all, man. And um, like you said, the separation looks like he was slower out there, lazy. Just didn't look good. Just wasn't a good look. No, yeah, not I, at all. I, I think he might have let the game get a little bit into it into his own head. And dude, you, you nailed it. You nailed it, man. Do your job. And that's a thing like that is why it's a little bit more disappointing to why we can't get Cole Komet going. Because when Jimmy's playing like that, dude, you gotta sit his ass down. Sit him down. Sit, sit him down. down. Hold these guys accountable, Nagy. You know, <laughs> that's what this whole thing's gonna come down to. Mm-hmm. Hold these guys accountable because you have on this team what we're seeing, you have young guys on this team that are hungry and chomping at the bit for opportunity. Let's let's get these guys an opportunity. Yeah, 100%, man. My underperformer, and I, I talked about him earlier, but I'm going to keep it real short, was Rashad Coward. He was a turnstile. We saw where he was confused on a couple of those Saints defensive stunts. And I'm just telling you, man, if Ryan Pace doesn't prioritize acquiring an interior offensive lineman before the deadline, that is just fucking criminal. And... That's just going to basically show us how serious this guy is about winning. Because if you look at this offensive line and you don't think that we need to acquire someone, Alex Mack is available. Pick up the fucking phone, Pace. Man, you have Alex, guys out there. Alex Mack would look really good in blue and orange. I'm not going to lie. All day. All day. Well, dude, man, thanks for pulling up with us, man. Before you get out of here, man, tell our audience a little bit more about how they can connect with you and your guys over at Bears on Tap. All right. So anyone who's got me on, who wants to follow me on Twitter, I, uh, I tweet a bunch of, uh, jag off stuff. You know, I probably sound like a total, uh, total D bag or I don't know. I'm just giving, I'm not giving myself enough credit here, but, uh, that pod guy Duke on Twitter, man, I got some bears takes. I keep it real. You know, it, that's, that's what I do, man. I, I don't like to softball stuff. If you don't like what I'm saying, you can definitely come at me. I will talk with you about it. I'm not going to be disrespectful. Um, and I think I can speak for a lot of, uh, my boys over at, uh, on tap Sportsnet as well at on top on tap Sportsnet and on tap sportsnet.com. You can find all sorts of Chicago, uh, Chicago news, bears, bulls, Blackhawks, white Sox, Cubs, man, anything Chicago. We got it. Do we do hot dog reviews? We do beer reviews, all that stuff. And also bears on tap. If you want to, uh, listen to my wonderful voice about three to four times a week, you can check that out over at, uh, at Bears on Tap on Twitter as well. We are on any podcast provider that you probably have. And if you don't, hey man, shoot us, shoot us a message. We'll uh, we'll try to get you involved any way that we can. We love taking fan questions. Um, yeah, and we always put our meat on the table. And a boy, and I'll tell you one thing, Duke's a great follow. And I'll tell you, those untapped guys are family for us. They've welcomed us to this Bears uh, podcast community. So we'd have nothing but love for you guys. We love having you on. Thank you so much for jumping on with us, dude. Yeah, no problem, boys. Uh, Love seeing you guys succeed. Bear down. Bear Bear down, down. baby. So, hey, Dub, man, before we go ahead and get out of here, man, I want to transition over to our final segment here where we go through some of our fan reactions. This has become a very popular segment for us on the show. Yes, sir. So, we got Brian Vincent who messaged us and said, so Mitch gets a first down right there. So, and that's in reference to that play where Nick Foles didn't get it done there where he got sacked. Yeah, I totally agree with him on that part of it. I think Mitch would have got that part done. The question is, is, is this here, does he get everything else done too? So um, we got to look at the entire game totality of it, right? Can Mitch make the reads? Can Mitch make the plays down the field? All those different things. But on that particular play right there, I totally agree. Mitch would have made something happen out of that. 
And I'll tell you one thing, to my point that I made earlier, I still think that Mitch might be the better quarterback based on this offensive line only. I just think that the, where we're at right now as a team, we're going to have to win some of these games on offense ugly, and we're going to have to do it by any means possible. And I just think my just me looking at this thing, what we're seeing, we're losing winnable games right now. We have to do something. Oh, yeah. With a depleted line that we have right now, Mitch just might be the best quarterback suitable for this. Yep. So we had another fan reaction from Peyton. Uh, her, her Twitter ad is at SoxBearPeyton. And she says, Nick Foles has officially made me cry. And what was that in reference to? Just his play. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you can cry for something good or sometimes you can cry for something bad. Now, if it's something bad, you know, that it may, makes her cry, I can see some plays that were out there that probably made her cry, you know, because uh, he had some, some meltdowns in that third quarter for sure. And some of those plays you saw him throwing out there was on him. You saw that uh, play that caused the delay a game was on him. And you were like, hey, you were saying pretty much to yourself that Foles is having probably the one of the worst quarters of his career. Our buddy Mitch Galloway hit us up and said, can we end the Nick Foles experiment now? <laughs> yeah. Well, to end it, who are we going to bring out there? Mitch? And that's the question right there, right? Who are we going to end it with? So uh, if you're going to bring Mitch back out there, we already know what his struggles are too, right? So you have two quarterbacks that we both know that have some struggles that we all have seen over these games, over these eight games. So you got to pick your poison with that. Who do you want? Who should you go with? Ah, Really, both of them not the quarterback for the future. So at this point, I'm in the air with it. I don't really care which one I'm out there. We're, they've been, both been struggling. I'll tell you one thing, though. Nagy's ego is not going to allow him to go back to Mitch. So he's going to keep trotting uh, foals out there. Our next uh, fan reaction came from Tommy Meisel. He said, well, dot, dot, dot. We beat ourselves again. No, I totally agree with that. With him on that, on that perspective, we did beat ourselves. There's no way we should have lost this game um, how we did, you know, we waited, we lost on a field goal like that. Um, no, we couldn't score in overtime. That's a shame. Uh, it took us late in the game to tie the game up. I think we should have won this game pretty much by at least 14 points. I mean, we had to leave, like I said, 13 to three. Um, and we kind of like let it go. And I think we took our foot feet off the gas. We never got our offense back on track and it was a total disaster from there. Absolutely. Uh, Dominique Blanton. And this was just in regards to what he says that Nagy's going to say in his press conference. We are still five and three. <laughs> look, hey, look, Nagy and his uh, and his um, post game interviews are uh, disappointing. That's for sure. I'll say that much. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, like you said before, uh, Perez, we can't make any excuses. You know, five and three, okay, I get it, but we can't make excuses why we losing. We lost the game today, today that we should have won, and that's on us. Absolutely, man. I wanted to give a shout out to our friend of the podcast, TJ Brooks. He uh, sent out probably I thought which was the tweet of the day when uh, when uh, Darnell Mooney caught the touchdown. He sent out the money moon emoji and he copied us on it on, on Twitter. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome! I love Money Moon. Matter of fact, happy belated birthday to Money Moon. He had a birthday last week, I believe. So salute to him. Glad he came out and had a great game for us. But Money Moon all the way. <laughs> we, and our listeners, they know how you feel about Darnell Mooney. So they always, definitely, whenever he uh, makes a play, they always shout you out on, on Twitter, man. So they love you, bro. I appreciate uh, the love. The one thing I wanted to do before we get out of here, I wanted to congratulate uh, Mitchell Galloway. He was our October contest winner. He won the uh, Allen Robinson autograph football. Awesome. I, got, I will say this about Mitch, man. He was consistent, and he did not miss any of the questions, dude. He was basically, he started out in first place, and never relinquished the lead. 
I hope our quarterbacks can do that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and our team. Fuck, and our man. team, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing, too, we're going to be having a November contest. It's going to be kind of NCAA tournament bracket style. We're going to do it with 32 participants. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a head-to-head battle over Zoom. So anyone is interested for that, uh, definitely uh, see our, our pinned tweet on Twitter. And uh, we will be giving out information on the format and the prize. And I will tell you this, guys, me and A-Dub, we put together a good prize on this one. So I would definitely highly recommend any of our listeners to jump in on this contest. You won't regret it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we also, before we get out, we want to wish, wish uh, one of our youngest listeners of the podcast, Peyton Carter, he turns four this awesome. next week. We want to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yep. Happy birthday, man. He's named after our great Walter Payton. So I had to give him a little shout out. So happy birthday to you, sir. Hey, Doug, my final thoughts, man, on this team. And I, and I tried really hard not to be negative here. You know, it is what it is, right? We're five and three. And I'm just saying, I, I feel like with what we're seeing right now, this team does not feel to me like it's a playoff team. Um, we're undisciplined, poorly coached. And I would just say today's game to me, Maggie and Pagano, they lost this one for me. They, they lost this game for this team. There's enough talent on this roster on both sides of the, of the ball. We should be getting it done. Absolutely. And, and I'll just tell you this, man. We let New Orleans steal a game today. And they, did. and they played us without three of their <laughs> offensive weapons. And Michael Thomas, who's a top three receiver in this league, could you imagine what would have happened to us if he would have played the game today? Right. I agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, disappointing, man. Very disappointing here. Um, you're right. It's a game we should have won. But you know what? I saw some positives, positives as well. But definitely, um, there are some negatives here that really hurt us, that cost us to lose that game. Yep. Well, on to Tennessee. We got the Titans coming up on the schedule. Ada, go ahead and sign us off. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez Podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. On our next episode, we will preview the Week 9 matchup against the Titans with Anna Lewis from the Say It Again Network. Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.